welcome in here to Rover Sports. And finally, I am with a guest that I've been trying to acquire for a long time. It's Pigskin Pete. He's just, I, I give you credit, Pigskin. You're just about as flexible and as easy as, as any guest to link up with, man. One of my best friends in the YouTube game. He joins us this Wednesday. Pigskin, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. It's always good to, uh, to link up with you uh, and Kent Central as well. Always enjoy talking with you guys. No doubt. And uh, Pigskin, you, you are looking uh, to possibly uh, maybe get an iTunes uh, podcast. Why don't you first fill us in about the channel Pigskin Pete? I know it might be tough in the offseason, but what are you kind of working on right now on, on the Pigskin Pete YouTube channel? Uh, I've been quiet for the past week or so. Um, but basically what I'm doing right now is really trying to prepare for next season, to be honest with you, because this is my first season on YouTube, uh, just using an iPhone, uh, turning the camera on, speaking my piece, you know, some minor editing, uh, and then uploading. So my goal for next season is to upgrade equipment, camera, audio, all that sort of thing, uh, editing, equipment, uh, to make it a, a little bit better visual aspect for everybody. Um, but I will be continuing to upload things in the offseason pertaining both to the NFL and the college football, uh, especially uh, with the combine coming up, the draft coming up, all that sort of thing. I'll really uh, be hitting it hard those weeks. Um, and as for the rest of the offseason, I'll be kind of uh, taking it easy and just kind of focusing on uh, what I can do to make the next season better. That's pretty much it. Are you going to adjust how you watch football next year? Meaning that I personally am saving up money to try to get more televisions like in my house to watch more football. Are you going to try to do a similar thing? Um, well, I see you're not married. So <laughs> right. <laughs> getting a bunch of TVs in my house probably isn't in, in, you know, in my future. But I, I am thinking about switching to the direct TV and getting the NFL ticket. Um, now, I don't know. Maybe I can ask you. Do you know, who, is, is there a college football ticket? And who carries that? I wish there was. There was like something a couple of years ago. I remember that. But yeah. I mean, I, if I, you have ESPN3, you should be fine. Yeah, I mean, I get most. Of, I mean, with college football, they show almost all of them now. I mean, yes. they show a lot, a lot more college football games than do NFL. And uh, where I live, since I live in South Carolina, they show all of the Panthers games, and then there's two other uh, games on Sunday that they show. Whatever the, it's usually a Steelers game or a Patriots game for some reason. Um, it pisses then, me off though. Like, like for some reason, I don't get four games on CBS and Fox. They always show a local programming for one of them, which is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that's the same here. So we get we get the Panthers game every week, and then we get two other games. And then, of course, you know, you get the uh, you know the the, the uh, national games, the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. But it's very limited. So I'm thinking about maybe getting the NFL ticket. The problem is, is that I I like my internet cable and security all wrapped into one. So I'm going to have to figure out how I can get cable separate from all that. That's a whole other issue. But yeah, I may, I may look into getting uh, the NFL to, to, so I can keep better tabs on um, you know what's going on around the league in real time instead of watching ESPN. So first I wanted to ask you, Pigskin, I wanted to ask you about your team. The majority of this conversation for everybody listening is we're going to dig deep into Mike Shula and Dave Gettleman. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you, your team, the Carolina Panthers, is down right now in uh, Indianapolis. The ownership's still up for question. You guys have a new GM, Herney, who I think has been in your system for a long time. Talk about your new general manager and what, you, what you're looking for in Indianapolis right now. All right, well, 
I posted a video about this is actually the last video I made um, last week uh, about Herney. I'm not a big fan of Marty Herney. He was the he was the general manager for the Panthers for ten years, okay, 2002 through uh, 2010 or 2012 rather. Um, and he did you know he made it, he, they did have a Super Bowl appearance, um, but at the end of the day, the guy was fired for not being a good general manager. Okay, I mean you don't get fired for being a winner. You get fired for being a loser. They actually came out and said that the reason they hired Marty Herney is because they feel like he's the best guy to lead them through this transition with the, you know, with uh, Jerry Richardson selling the team and all that. Uh, and that's all fine. The problem is, if, whenever there is a new owner in there, right, they're going to get rid of Marty Herney, right? So, I mean, because they're not going to want a guy that has a, a, a long history with the Panthers. The new owner is going to want his own stamp on his new program so i don't understand what the point in, in rehiring him was um not to mention the fact that he has his own legal issues or at least legal allegations going on uh, he was accused of harassing his ex-wife that's why they waited so long to name him the general manager officially so you have you have an owner who's selling the team for sexual harassment you know allegations you have a general manager who's been delayed in being named the general manager because of sexual, or not sexual, but harassment uh, allegations. I mean, it's just, I don't know what they're doing there. It, the whole thing is really weird. And you would think that Jerry Richardson would be smart enough, which clearly he's not, to bring somebody new in there, maybe a younger guy with a new vision to, to draft and to um, you know, prepare for the future. So I'm not exactly sure what's behind all this. It, it seems like the good old boy system to me. Uh, and you have the same thing with Gentleman and Shula. We'll get into that in a minute. But with, with Richardson and um, and Herney, you know, it's sort of like, you know, I'm just going to hire the guy that I that I know and feel comfortable with rather than doing what's best for the, uh, for the program. Well, Pigskin, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions um, about Herney. You, you, you're actually providing great insight because, again, you know, this is the stuff that ESPN won't necessarily cover is, is getting into the nuances of, of Carolina Panthers here. Um, when you look at Herney, I was going to ask, one, when were these, you know, um, allegations proposed? Because it is very, you know, in 2018, it is very on, on cue to, to mention, you know, that the, the allegations and then second, if Jerry Richardson is still staying, if he hired a young guy, though, Pigskin Pete, that young guy could maybe get fired and gain no momentum anyway. So it's kind of it's kind of like you're in a tough spot because if he did hire fresh, Richardson's gone anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, okay. So to answer your first question, I think these allegations, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not uh, positive about exactly when it happened. Yeah. So when, when, when Gettleman was fired uh, during training camp, for this last season, right? yeah, they named they named Marty Herney the interim GM for this season. Sure. Uh, so they went they went the entire season without officially naming him GM. Uh, I think dur during that period, uh, or, or around the time that Gettleman was fired, was the time that these allegations came out against Herney from his ex-wife. Um, now, as far as them not hiring a younger guy because they're just going to fire whoever comes in there. Uh, I think that it would be a little bit tougher. Now, I'll go down another road too, because you know, with the Rooney Rule and, all, and, and, and interviewing minorities, all that sort of thing, 
So they 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 interviewed two minority uh, GM candidates. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually brought they brought one of them back for multiple interviews, uh, and then ultimately still went with Marty Herman. I would think that with uh, a younger coach, uh, maybe even possibly a minority coach, my my fear isn't whether or not he would be fired once new ownership comes in there, um, but his drafting ability. Because no matter who the new owner comes that comes in there is, is Marty Herney or whoever the GM is going to be partially responsible for this draft. It's going to affect next year no matter who the general manager is next year. So I, I'm not a fan of Marty Herney's drafting ability, to be honest with you. So I don't want him in there for that reason mainly. Um, and I also think it might be a little bit harder for a new owner to come in immediately and fire a, a young uh general manager who has no history with the Panthers. He would almost have to be given a year or two to see what he can do. Uh, he, he, he maybe wouldn't have to, but he may face some scrutiny if he just comes there and fires a GM who's only been on the job for a couple of months. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I, I'd, I'd rather um, see a young guy in there now for this drafting process and not let Marty Hardy have that the reins for this draft. Because you're dele- you're delaying the process. You basically want to see the audition period. You want to see if the young guy that they bring in is legit, how he does, his style. I completely get that because now you're behind the eight ball and if that thing ends up being a failure, you're delaying your your the process then becomes even you know that much longer. And of course, you bring up which is uh, you know the most important thing is the history of you know the allegations. And you look at the Dallas Mavericks and what a disaster that is. And you don't want the Carolina Panthers to be dragged through the mud like the Dallas Mavericks. Exactly. I, here's the bottom line. I mean, just to to boil it down to the most simple explanation possible. I don't care what the situation is with the team and ownership and all of that. Do not fire somebody that you had there for 10 years and then rehire them. I mean, that's the bottom line. I, I'm not a fan of rehiring people who fail. That's going back to the well, man. Yeah. And and was this guy with John Fox as well? Uh, briefly. So, well, no, no. You mean... Um, Herney was yeah, with Fox the oh, entire yeah. time. Oh, yeah, he was with him the entire time. And what was yeah. his style with, with, with the players that he drafted throughout those 10 years? Uh, well, I mean, I guess the most notable guy he did draft was probably Cam Newton. Um, I mean, well, Luke Keekley, Cam Newton, um, uh, let's see, K1 Short, maybe. That's new school. That's new school, guys. Yeah, no, no, no. K1 Short was gone. He had, um, you know what? He had, like, the DeLome, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, Muhammad kind of team. You know, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, well, well, Keekley was one of his, too, uh, mm-hmm. towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than those guys, and, and that's the thing is, here's the other thing, and we'll get into this for sure, but the Panthers have been basically a defensive team, uh, well, in, in the past 15 years at least. Uh, they've always been a, a pretty average, low average offensive team. And, you know, Herney has a very bad reputation with former players. If you, if you go on, on YouTube or Google or whatever and uh, look up you know Steve Smith's comments on um, Herney and Gettleman and, uh, and uh, D'Angelo Williams, those players, uh, you'll, you'll see bad things about them. And that's not just you know, the sour grapes because 
you know, they end up uh, getting traded away. It's because they have real legitimate concerns about their ability to deal with players and coaches. Um, and people like Gettleman and, and Herney and Shula have been in the NFL for a long time. They're, these aren't new guys. These are guys that you don't have a history on. You know what you're going to get from these guys. And, and, you know, if depending on what you want, that's fine. But as a Carolina Panther fan, I, I don't want uh, what Marty Herney has to offer. I've seen him uh, do his thing, and I'm not impressed. And I don't want—I just don't want him associated with the, with the, with the team. Um, and the same thing goes for the uh, gentleman in Shula, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. In a Absolutely. I want to—I want to eventually break the seal. I want to talk about—I uh, want to talk about Dave Gentleman, his time with the um, with the Carolina Panthers. I want to know. What this guy is like. I mean, with the media, Dave Gettleman actually seems like a personable character. If you listen to his press conferences, it seems like he enjoys being around the media, that he has friends that are um, in the media. But you hear certain players that, that dislike the way he handles business. And you've been following Dave Gettleman's moves in Carolina. So gives us, give us the pros and cons of Dave Gettleman. All right. Well, the, well, there aren't there aren't too many pros. I'll give you that much. Um, the, the cons. Let's start there because that's a long list. The guy yeah. you say he, you know, he, he does he does play it up for the cameras. Okay. Yeah. He reminds he reminds me a lot of a politician um, mm-hmm. in, in the way, and and I know that there is a lot of politics involved in front office, you know, in the NFL, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're just like every politician is, you're judged on your record and what you do while you're in office or in your position of power. Sure. And he's uh, he, he, he doesn't have a good reputation with coaches or players. Actually, he has a horrible reputation with players. Um, I think at the end of the day, to be honest with you, the reason he was fired was not because of Jerry Richardson. I think it had a lot to do with uh, Riverboat Ron. I don't, I don't think Ron uh, Rivera liked Gentlemen, I don't think they had a very good relationship the whole time. So they didn't work together at all, really? No, not really. Uh, and that's why I give a lot of the credit for the, uh, the defense being so good to Ron Rivera and the offense being so bad uh, to Gettleman and Shula. Because clearly, as far as drafting goes, uh, the offensive side of the ball has been way, way worse in drafting than the, than the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. Now, Gettleman... You have to look at his entire history in the NFL prior to the Panthers, too, to understand really where, I, where my stance is on this. So the guy's been in the NFL as a scout, a talent scout, since the 80s. I think he started in 1986 or 87 or something like that. Yeah. He, said he, has, he has history with the Giants, too, right? Oh, longest history with the Giants. Yeah. So if you, look, if you go look at his five-year tenure with the Panthers, he has a couple of really good draft picks, Okay. And, but but rounds two through seven, uh, most of those players either don't play in the NFL anymore or play on another team on another roster, but you know aren't starters. Uh, his his he's not a very good talent talent evaluator, and if, and that's was his background to be hired as a general manager in the first place. So if you're not even living up to the expectations of your original expertise, then I don't know how you expect him to be. You know, running an entire organization. Now, now, can I just ask though, the two first seven picks, like, were, were they high character guys that some have character issues? 
were there were were they guys that were overdrafted? Like, did you kind of remember the general gist of these failed guys? Yeah, I mean, most character issues. I don't think is a problem. And now I will say, since I'm going to be uh, doling out the hate here, I will say that he probably is uh, the the kind of general manager that's going to go after character players. I will give him that much. Okay? Uh, th their problem is he's overdrafted. Okay, he's he's drafting guys that uh, don't fit the skill set of the team, mm -hmm. um, or just aren't you know NFL type talent in the first place. Sure. Sure, I understand that. And now looking looking at uh, looking at Dave Gettleman, um, you mentioned the collaboration with Ron Rivera. So in the draft room, you, if the players' defense, it was basically Ron and Shula. I'm sorry, we have a, we have a call coming in over the top of the feed, but uh, it, we'll, we'll wait till this is just about over. Um, so 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 basically, when you look at at Ron. And, um, and and Dave Gettleman, would Ron pretty much make decisions on his own for defense? And Shula and Gettleman were almost like bullies or they just disassociated with, with Ron? Because he always talks about collaborations in his press conferences. And if you listen to the guy's press conferences, you'd think this guy is a great guy. You'd think he's so outgoing that, that, that maybe he doesn't treat the players uh, great, but it's kind of almost his job to be the bad cop, and it seems like collaboration with the coach wouldn't be a problem. So here's the way I think it all worked. It, 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 it's sort of the trickle-down effect. So I think that Jerry Richardson is a coach, or I'm sorry, an owner, that hires front office people and coaches to let them do their job. He's the opposite of Jerry job. Okay, he stays out of it. Oh, he's hands-off. Okay. Yeah, so then you go, so then next down from him, okay, is, uh, is Gettleman. So Gettleman gets his boy in there, which and we can go ahead and solidify the fact that Mike Shula is Gettleman's boy. We know that for a fact now, right? Because he's, he's, uh, he's taking it with him everywhere he goes. But so he hires Mike Shula. Now I think River, since Ron Rivera is a defensive guy, he has a very similar mentality as a head coach as Jerry Richardson does to be an owner. So Rivera says, "Look, I'll handle the defense." Uh, and I will leave it up to uh, you know Shula and his and his uh, his puppet Gettleman to run the offense. And now I, I'm not saying that, that Ron Rivera didn't collaborate at all or have any say in what was going on in the offensive draft or with, on the offensive side of the ball. But I think that he sort of left it up to them and was just kind of an overseer of it. He's, he seems old school, like almost like I'm not going to say as quiet as Todd Bowles, but there's certainly defensive coaches that are exactly like you just mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And so what I think happened was that there, there was a, a, a very slowly but growing rift between Gettleman Shula. I, I put them in, in sort of a, a duo, Gettleman Shula, uh, and, and, and Ron Rivera. And I think eventually Ron Rivera got disgusted with the way the offense was performing, and it all came to a head. And, uh, and then eventually Ron Rivera convinced Jerry Richardson that Gettleman was not the guy for the job, um, and and ultimately Shula because they're, the two are uh, basically attached to him. So I think that's eventually what happened. But I think Ron Rivera really probably gave him too much time and was too forgiving. Um, and to his credit, he was loyal to them for a while, and eventually um, was was the one that got Gettleman fired. So Rivera was 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 just as as high in Jerry's mind 
as as Gettleman and Shula were with Jerry Richardson. And, exactly. And that and that's what carried the day. So you look at the defensive stars. Like I think Steve Wilkes, you've been around you've heard Steve Wilkes. I think the guy is a star. So it's almost like a complete divide where the defensive guys are kind of hanging out in the defensive corner, the quadrant for the room, and the offensive guys are Gettleman and Shula. And I guess Gettleman needed to talk to Riverboat Ron about the defensive players. I wanted to ask, how do you know that Shula and Gettleman are so close and are such like almost like feudal overlord dictators? Like, how 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 could you kind of come to that conclusion, or how how are you making uh, these statements? Well, well, first of all, they both have offensive backgrounds. Okay, uh, even even as a, I mean, this is we're going way way back now. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't David Gettleman a quarterback? I mean, in you would have to be a quarterback in the fifties because that dude is a fat little dude. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, that would be—he would have to be a division three quarterback or some quarterback way, because I can't imagine him lacing him up anytime soon. <laughs> but anyways, I, I don't think that maybe he's a hog molly. He loves that word too, hog molly. I don't want to. I don't want to lump Shula in as being part of part of the dictatorship. I think Gettleman was more of the dictator, and Shula was more of the puppet. More of the whipping uh, boy. More of the whipping boy. But clearly, I mean, I I, I I developed this theory after Shula was hired for the Giants. Okay, because I mean, in my opinion, there was really no need to hire Shula from the Giants. Right. With with, with Pat Shermer being here. Yeah, Shermer's and, the guy. Yeah, Shermer was there. Uh, Shula has been a play caller um, his whole career. So he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 96 to 99. Um, he's with the Jaguars uh, 07 through uh, whatever it was, uh, 2011. With Del Rio. He might have been okay, actually, at that time. Yeah, but li- listen, so li- listen, Mike Shula was the quarterback's coach for the Jaguars for that team. Okay? Mm-hmm. Do, you know who, do you know who the quarterback was during that time? Uh, I mean, if we're going to be optimistic, we'd say Gerard or Leftwich, but I bet it's Chad Henney. Yeah, it was, it was uh, Gerard. So, he was okay. <laughs> Him and yeah. Le- slow African-American quarterback. All right, so you got, uh, you got David Gerard. He's okay. Uh, and who was okay. Uh, right. Of course, the Jag- and of course, the Jaguars weren't, weren't very good. Of course, they're going to build a statue for Gerard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then he gets named the uh, quarterbacks coach under uh, Marty Ernie, by the way, uh, before Gettleman ever got there with the Panthers. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then um, Gettleman comes in. So Shula's record, both as an offensive coordinator and as a quarterbacks coach, is not very good over a long period of time. And like I said, you can look at the Panthers' record, their team record, over his tenure there and say, well, they got a winning record, they have multiple division titles, they have a Super Bowl appearance. It can't be all that bad, right? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that Shula never finished better than 22nd in overall offense in the NFL during his time with the Bucks as an offensive coordinator. Didn't have a winning record at all with the Jaguars. And I don't think that they finished better than the 15th best offense in the NFL during his tenure as the Panthers offensive coordinator. 
So I just don't understand what the fascination with this guy is. I understand his last name Shula, but it's not 1970s anymore, mm-hmm. and he's not he's not his dad. He's so not Donald. Just, Donald's not coming into his son's body. He's not his dad. And like I said, I don't want to be sitting here. And I do get, I'm getting people responses from, from some Giants fans. And I'm reading on, online uh, Giants fans saying, oh, well, uh, you know, the Panthers weren't complaining about Shula, you know, whenever they were winning all those games for the past five years, but actually they were. So, 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 I, so I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. yeah. I'm, <laughs> I guess that's a good news about hosting the podcast as I can interrupt, uh, but I think you're doing an unbelievable job. I'm sorry if I ever interrupt you, sir. No, you're fine. Just um, always tell me. I want to get into the specifics of Mike Shula and why he sucked as a play caller. So on third down, if it was third and long, is he doing draw plays? If it's first down, is he putting the ball in the air? Is he throwing it too much? Is he not throwing it too much? Is there no big play potential? Is he not creative with calls? Is it run up the middle? Tell me the style. Tell me what play calls really sucked with Mike Shula. Okay, well, his biggest problem is, he, is that he's extremely predictable. Now, a lot of this probably has to do with the fact that Cam Newton was the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but based on the formation they lined up, uh, it's, now, I don't want to say he's predictable all the time. In the red zone, I could basically tell you what play they were going for. They were every time. Uh, and nine times out of ten, that was going to be a Cam Newton design run or a Jonathan Stewart up the middle run, okay? <laughs> Yeah. Um, if, if it wasn't one of those two things, it you know, when Kelvin Benjamin was still in the Panthers earlier this year, if he was on the field and it wasn't an eye formation, then it was going to Kelvin Benjamin. Love. Love. Every time, corner of the end zone. And <laughs> the, if I know that the play is coming, then you can guarantee the NFL defensive coordinators from opposing teams know what's coming. So that was my biggest thing with it. And you're right, he wasn't very creative. It's a very basic passing offense. It's a heav- heavily run offense. Probably 70 to 80% of its plays are run plays. Okay? They, they run the ball mainly up the middle. Right, and right take, up the gut. And, and take shots down the field. That's their end. So it's a play action passing. It's a play action deep passing game. Yeah, and of course with Cam Newton, it's a, it's a lot of zone read. Uh, So now I'll try I'll try to be a devil's advocate for the sake of this conversation. Christian McCaffrey did get better as the year went on. Like they found ways to get the ball in his hands, kind of like Brian Westbrook. Like what? Like I guess that you could say Shula maybe um, changed a little bit, or maybe just McCaffrey just got more confident. So my first question is, why did Christian McCaffrey uh, get so much better in this offense? And then the second thing I want to ask is I watched that probably your favorite game as a Panthers fan um, was that game versus the Arizona Cardinals with Cam Newton where he was incredible in that game during that playoff run. So first I'll ask you about McCaffrey, though. I mean, why did McCaffrey get so much better in this offense? Well, first of all, he's a, he's a rookie. So, I mean, he's clearly going to get better as the season goes on. That's the main thing. Um, now – McCaffrey had the most receptions of any rookie this year. Okay, so he set the record, or, or he led the NFL this year in rookie receptions, uh, which is all good. Um, but I still don't think he was used correctly. Now, they, they they did get better in using him 
towards the end of the season. I will give you that. Uh, the first half of the season, you saw probably half of his touches run up the middle. He's not a, an eye for you know. He's not a between the tackles running back. He's right. just not built that way. Right. Uh, and it used to drive me nuts when they do that. It, it never worked. I don't want to think he never broke one in five yards. Because it's so predictable. They never got him to the outside. They never utilized speed. Yeah. So now they did actually, you're right there. They did start to sort of open the playbook up. And that probably had a lot to do with the cavern himself, to be quite honest. Like mm-hmm. And all that. Um, they did start to utilize him more as a weapon, like you said, like Brian Westbrook out in the backfield. They were doing a lot of screens. And yes. So they, even did, they even did some pitch trick plays to him. It was, it was, it got a lot more interesting there towards the end. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that he could have been used better. I think that he could have been used more as in the passing game throughout the entire season rather than just sort of um, And they also could have used him uh, a, a lot more in the kickoff game, too, uh, as, as a punt return. He's electric with the ball in his hands. That's mm-hmm. Just get the ball in his hands in space and let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they sort of had to break their tendencies from what they're used to doing with Jonathan Stewart. And, and sort of break out of that, that mold and get him going. And it did work towards I wanted to ask you about the 2015 season because against Arizona, Cam Newton was unbelievable. He was an MVP. He was hit, hitting Devin Funches, hitting Ted Ginn. He was making explosive plays everywhere. Even the first half against the Seattle Seahawks was just pure euphoria in terms of offense, play action, Greg Olson was balling out. Why was the play calling so effective then with Cam hitting Greg Olson, Cam hitting Funches? I mean, they whipped that Arizona defense. I mean, they took them for a ride, and they couldn't do anything wrong. So why was that Why was that so successful? Because it looked like the offense at that time was just absolutely rolling with, with Mike Shula. Well, here's, what, here's the thing. Is because they're so predictable. Now they have they have great talent. Right? I mean, they have talent all over. I mean, the receivers are great. The running backs are great. They have the, the offensive line uh, was well better this year than normal. Uh, Cam Newton is an absolute freak athlete. Yes. Whenever they go against average, below average, even slightly above average defenses, they can expose certain parts of the defense and take advantage of that and sort of confuse the defense and throw it all over the yard and, and, and mix it up. When they go against defenses, now listen, Seattle this year was not the same Seattle defense we used to say. They go against bad defenses, like I said, then they can light them up. When they go against really, really good defenses uh, that you know are accustomed to what they're doing and, and can shut down um, that basic college style type of uh, zone read stuff, yeah. then they, they struggle. So what you saw this year is them go up to New England and beat them. Right. Okay. Well, at the, at the first half of this year, everybody that that wore a jersey was lighting up uh, the Patriots' defense. Correct. So it wasn't a, it wasn't an anomaly. Correct. Um, and and you see that the, the teams that know them the best, the Saints for one, Atlanta, you know, the teams in their division, um, hell, either struggled against Tampa Bay. So the teams that know them and know what they do and are well prepared for them have a lot of success against them. Um, and the, the teams outside of their conference and outside of the division, they meet once a year or every three years, uh, once every three years or every four or five years or whatever it is. 
uh, tend to get exposed just based on their talent alone and not because of the scheme. So Mike Shula, though, on third and two, though, he's still going to play heavy-handed and run the football, though. Oh, yeah. You, you, uh, you, you have a Wayne Dolman right now as your, as your running back. Right? Yeah, <laughs> not, not great guys. They're going to be just about gone. They're castaways. Paul Perkins, Wayne Gallman, all guys that you draft late in your fantasy draft. Orleans Starqua. You know, just picking guys off the scrap heap and throwing them. But the thing is, Pigs compete as a Giants fan. I went from Ben McAdoo, and I hated McAdoo because when it was third and one, he would throw fade routes in the goal line. Or if it's third and two, he's going, you know, he's going a short pass every time, like a screen pass on third and two, a little slant, and he's not playing heavy handed at all. So I almost am welcoming the, 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 um, the running of the football, you know what I'm saying yeah. on Ferdinand twos. Yeah, and listen, it's like I said, it's all depending on what style of play you like. Now, uh, I know the Giants love great defense and uh, running the ball. So, right, and yeah. Eli, he can't throw it 40 times. He's not Drew Brees. He's not going to die. He's not that uh, you know efficient in the short passing game. So I kind of almost like him, kind of like I liked Cam Newton, only throwing 20 to 25 times. I like that Eli's going to be throwing less, it seems. Yeah, you, listen, you're going to get a lot of running in the football, okay? So if you can get the personnel to do that, uh, Saquon Barkley, okay? Yes. Uh, then, then yeah, uh, Saquon Barkley would probably be fitting really well into a Mike Shula-style offense. Now, I know it's not going to be a Mike Shula offense. It's going to be a Pat Shermer offense, though, right? Isn't Pat, isn't Pat Shermer more of a passing guy? I mean, it seems with Minnesota that I mean, with, with but but with Keenum, they didn't like throw it incredibly a lot, you know. If if you watch them, so I, but he's pro style, you know. He's not shotgun guy. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I would say that you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of running football, um, and then I mean that may you know what this may actually suit Eli Manning's style of play better than it did Cam Newton, to be honest with you, because Cam Newton. Uh, was not really a pocket pass, so it mm-hmm. was more of a scram, a more of a scrambler, get on the edge and throw it type of guy. Sure, run. So this may, this, this could turn out to be better, a better suit for Eli Manning than it was for Cam Newton. I mean, I, it's, we'll, we'll all find that out. This, the, this, um, yes. I wanted to ask you, this is the question I'm really dying to ask, and I've been sitting on this question for a while, and this is what I care about the most as a Giants fan. I look at Gettleman, and we can talk a little bit more about Gettleman and how, like, you know, how, how stubborn his personality is, how he says he's going to collaborate, but it seems like he kicked Ron Rivera to the curb. What is Mike Shula's personality? I know Cam Newton's a guy that is very high and low with his emotions. You know, Cam can be overly dramatic. Cam seems like a good guy, but again, he's young. He's always growing. What is Mike Shula's personality? Is he strict? Does he yell a lot? Is he kind of like Jeff Fisher that that he's quiet and and, and doesn't inspire confidence? Is he rah-rah? Is he friendly and funny? What is Mike Shula like? What's his personality like? Jeez, he doesn't really have much of a personality. Now, I will say this, <laughs> that uh, Cam Newton uh, did, had, had a close relationship with Mike Shula. Uh, okay. I, don't know if you knew, I don't know if you heard the story whenever Mike Shula actually uh, eventually was fired, that Cam Newton deleted his um, uh, unfriended the Carolina Panthers on his uh, Facebook page and stopped tweeting and all that. There's sort of, I don't know if it was some sort of silent protest. 
but he did hmm. love my shula. Hmm. I mean, he was he had, my shula was there the whole time that, that, that uh, since Cam Newton was drafted. So. Almost like a father son relationship. Yeah, they had a very close relationship. Now that doesn't just because the guys were really close and they were friends and whatever there were like, personal feelings for one each other uh, for one another were that does not necessarily translate to the field. Okay? So I I think that my shula probably is a likable guy in the locker room. I, I mean, I think that I've never heard uh, players come out and say bad things about Mike Shula. I have, I have heard the players say a lot of bad things about him. Have you, have you heard the players say, have you heard the players other than Cam talk about Mike Shula in a special way or, or almost no conversations about Mike? Yeah, there's almost no conversation other than the fact that Cam Newton in particular, and this doesn't go for any other players. I haven't heard any, really any, uh, comments about Mike Shula from other offensive players or other, anybody else in the team in general. And he seems like he barely speaks to the media. Yeah, he's a very, he seems to be a very quiet guy okay. um, who seems to have interpersonal, individual relationships with players in the team and not, not so much a, 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 a social guy as far as getting in front of the So we're, we're, psycho- we're, we're trying to be psychologists here on Rover Sports. We're talking with Pigskin Pete here. We're so happy that he's filling us in on the psychology of these two guys. Now, my biggest fear was that Mike Shula, he comes from Don Shula. He sucked at Alabama. My biggest fear was that Mike Shula was kind of an entitled jerk, you know, kind of kind of from his dad. He was part of that old school that he and Gettleman were both bullies together and that Shula would not get along with Shermer. But it seems like Shula right now might listen to Pat Shermer. The biggest obstacle right now is Dave Gettleman and Shula together versus Pat Shermer. So, so Dave Gettleman, you've heard players like D'Angelo Williams, Steve Smith come out against Gettleman. What is your biggest qualm with this? So with Mike Shula, it seems almost on the field is your qualm with, with, with Shula and his play calling being extremely predictable, which I would actually welcome as a Giants fan. So... What is your problems with Dave Gettleman? Is there any examples of how he's really a jerk to guys? And I want you to just throw everything on the table right now on why you don't like Dave Gettleman's personality. All right. So here's what it comes down to is that and you would, you would think that over the course of his time there that you would hear at least one former player retired player or, or something like that come out and defend him and say good things about him. I have never heard it. I have never heard anything but negative things, uh, that he's a liar, uh, that he's two-faced, uh, hmm. that, he's, that he's an egomaniac, uh, that, he's, that he has a power trip, all these sort of things from former players. Hmm. Uh, I, I was actually surprised that he brought Julius Peppers back last season. That's one of the guys he got rid of. Um, and Steve Smith hates him. D'Angelo Williams hates him. Um, anybody that actually gets out of that organization comes out immediately and says that he's not fit to be a general manager. So, so, so he's not loyal. He doesn't really communicate with these players. Now, I know a lot of times, like you're going to have to fire dudes, you know, as a general manager, and you can't always be buddy buddy. But I mean, Julius Peppers, like you could say, like I'll say this honestly: Steve Smith and D'Angelo Williams 
are very hot and cold personalities, if that makes sense. Like, they're going to have enemies everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, th th they might not like certain style of guys, but it seems like Julius Peppers and, like, and um, Luke Keekley and Greg Olson, it seems, and Thomas Davis, when they came out against them, it's like, wow, these are straight line, perfect, you know, guys that are even hating on Dave Gettleman as well. Exactly. So it's not just it's not just you know uh, an occasional player who's a hot hand. It's not like Joshua Norman who you know can you really take that guy's word extremely seriously? Yeah, exactly. I forgot all about him. Which remind me about him. But yeah, so when you, when you have the, the, the heart and soul of your team, uh, people like Luke Kuechly and Thomas Davis, okay, coming out and saying not so you know inspiring things about Dave Gettleman, then, then you know that there's there's just something not that's not right there. And I don't know if it has to do with an ego with him or uh, if it's, it's just his personality that comes off the wrong way or if he's a bad businessman, to be honest with you, um, I, or a little bit of all of, all of that. Uh, so I just don't – I'm not sure. Now, listen, like it's this, the same thing that applies to Gettleman uh, and Shula, like I said about Shula, maybe, maybe Shula is a better fit with Eli Manning and, and Giants-style football. Maybe David Gettleman's a better fit for the city of New York than he is for Charlotte. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, the guy doesn't have a really good track record. He's not very likable in the NFL outside of his inner circle. Mm -hmm. So I just don't know um, what you're going to get. It's hard to predict with him. And he doesn't – the thing about Pat Shermer, pigskin, is that Sherm Dog's a guy – that is completely like almost a very tame personality, almost like Mike Shula, very nice. Um, doesn't seem to be incredibly like hard-headed. So it seems like Gettleman is just going to be able to railroad his opinions in over, you know, poor little Pat Shermer. James Betcher is a very young guy from Arizona who, uh, who really just seems like a defensive guy that he isn't going to be a powerful leader to stand up against what Gettleman wants to do. What's Gettleman's style in free agency? Does he love locking guys in for long-term deals? Is he aggressive in free agency? Is he the Packers and doesn't entertain anybody in free agency? What's his style in free agency? Very simple. Look at his track record. His, his style is short-term contracts for veteran players at the end of their career. That's what you got to look forward to. Whew. So he doesn't like Young. He doesn't go out for the big-name guys at all. He's not going to go for Tremaine Johnson or anything. No, he likes to, he likes to, to bring, like I said, uh, Guys that are in the last in twilight of their career, <laughs> who are not who are not uh, big huge money guys. Okay. The road money guys. Okay. Give them a, a two year deal or whatever, and then normally they perform okay or, or underperform, and then they're gone. But they're high character. They're high character guys, though. So he, even though Gettleman might not be the greatest guy himself, he does bring in high character guys. He does, he does, he does. Now, and that's something that I actually like because, dude, like our organization, the New York Giants, Pigskin Pete, we have Eli Apple. We have guys like Odell Beckham. They need mentoring, especially Eli Apple. Landon Collins is fighting. I like that there's stability. And one of my favorite signings, and he, and he references this a lot to give Gettleman credit, is he did bring in Jared Allen, one of my favorite players ever. And that was perfect. Yeah, so I will give him that. He does. He does look for high character guys. Guys aren't going to cause distraction. 
Now, let me ask you, if I, if I can ask you a question. Yes. So, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, really informed on the Giants' ownership. Um, you're more, much more informed on that as I am. Sure. So, how much power is the owner of the Giants going to give to David Gettleman? The Maras are going to give David Gettleman an incredible amount of power because the owner said that they initially liked having a general manager before head coach. So before the coaching search was even over, they said, we want to have a general manager in before we select our head coach. So they're entrusting Dave Gettleman with just about everything. Mara is a great competitor. I think he's a great owner because he's not like Jerry. He's not going to get involved. He's not even like Robert Kraft. With the Eli Manning situation, to their fault, they didn't even step in then, you know, with, with the whole McAdoo thing. So Gettleman is completely running the ship. What I'm very concerned about is David Gettleman getting along with Pat Shermer. And it sucks that Pat Shermer, it seems weak, Pigskin Pete, and I know you want to get back to maybe asking more questions, but it seemed weak that Pat Shermer couldn't even name an offensive assistant in the NFL that he he wouldn't even have the guts to get in his own people. He freaking Gettleman overpowered him even getting in Mike Shula. Like I wish Shermer would have hired one of his younger assistants, but now it just seems like Shermer's just even getting more on an island now. All right, so this you just played right into my next my next statement here. So let's just play devil's advocate here for a second. So there's one of two things is going to happen with the Giants, right? They're either going to overperform or do really well or underperform and not do, do so well with this whole new uh, staff, okay? Right. So at the, end of, right. at the end of the day, let's say, it, it, you know, if they do well, okay, then great. Um, everything goes well and it, it looks like a uh, match made in heaven. Right. If things, if things don't go as planned, um, is, you know, if, if Gettleman gets fired from the, from the owners, then uh, Shul is gone too because those two are like a, a pair. Okay. Correct. Now, if, uh, if if the owners leave it up to Gettleman to fix the problem and still have their trust in Gettleman, then Shermer is gone. Okay. Now, if Gettleman fires Shermer uh, and puts the blame on Shermer for, for the, uh, the the downfall or the lack of expectation meeting, who do you think is going to become the next head coach of the Giants? Mike Shula. <laughs> I didn't even need to answer the question. Yeah. So, <laughs> he's you just see what his... <laughs> Exactly. Shermer has to look over his head. Yeah. So he's not he's even the like... most well-liked guy. And and even in the offensive and in the draft room meetings, Mike Shula is just going to be taken to such a high degree now. But, you know, Gettleman's going to push him up. And, and Shermer can't be feeling good. He doesn't have the numbers anymore. It's almost like politics now. It's almost like, do you have the numbers, the seats in the Senate, or you don't? Yeah, he's caught between a rock and a hard place, man. He's either got to uh, take the blame or, or uh, succeed. His only option at this point is to succeed. If he doesn't, he's going to be the one to blame for whatever happens. Hey, Pigskin, you were sitting in high school, right? You, you, you're like me. In high school... Have you ever like talked to like a friend or like a like a dude or or a girl, and you'd be sitting next next to that person and you'd have a great relationship? Like you know you 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 they're, when they're by themselves they're cool you get along with them really well you know they're buddies but then suddenly 
their their really good friend or some other person comes in there, and then suddenly you're the third wheel. Yeah, man, and that's it. Uh, Pat Shermer is the third wheel, and um, I, I think the, the gentleman is kind of like the uh, the bully a little bit, right? In the whole situation, and then uh, you know, Mike Shula is like the, the the nerdy kid who really wishes to stand up against the bully, but uh, the bully's the one that's giving him his job, so. He's not going to do it. Is he going to turn in, you know, Kenny Powers? Is he going to be Steve Janowski? Yes. Perfect analogy. Yes. Now, now but is Shula going to go, could Shula go against Pat Shermer? Like, could Shula be quiet? Can, can he be prickly? It seems like he could be kind of prickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I don't know if Shula has the, uh, the personality. Yeah. Shula, and that's the other weird thing, is that Shula seems to have a the, the quite opposite personality as Gettleman. So it's kind of like the two are a team, but it's, it's kind of like Batman and Robin, you know? But for some um, reason, Shula doesn't have the balls to stick up to Dave Gettleman, though. Like, he'll never take Shermer's side in the argument. Well, I, I wouldn't stand up to him either because, I mean, look at him. Like, the, the dude is him, responsible for giving him millions of dollars. Right. At this point, so I mean, <laughs> and he's saving, and he's saving his kind of mediocre career. Yeah, a very mediocre career, uh, both in college and in the NFL. So <laughs> the thing about Gettleman is, is it's funny. He's only a five foot nine, fat little guy from Boston, but yet this guy just carries so much power. The one thing about Gettleman, and the one thing about I'll tell you about the New York Giants, is that we're a pretty no nonsense group. We've been embarrassed by what Ben McAdoo has kind of put on the field. And I do love that that Gettleman is going to get in, old veteran. He's going to build a culture. This doesn't stem well for Odell Beckham. It doesn't stem well for stats that Mike Shula's coming in because even Kelvin Benjamin was probably getting frustrated with Shula. So if I were just going to ask you for Odell Beckham, you kind of know about Odell Beckham just from reading the tabloids and from, you know, kind of seeing him from the outside. This whole group doesn't stem well for Odell Beckham, correct, with this whole run heavy and Dave Gettleman style? Yeah, I would have to say that David Gettleman and Odell Beckham are uh, probably going to butt heads quite a lot. Um, <laughs> we already know that Gettleman I mean, it, it is not afraid to get rid of a big-time talent and get some Well, do a big-time paycheck in your suit, right? When is, when is Odell up for his uh, 2019 next year. That's why I'd almost, I, I'm almost all right with just trading the guy anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's your, I, I wouldn't trade a generational talent. I didn't like when they got rid of Josh Norman for, for the Carolina. But that's just me. Yeah, well, how, but an argument, though, how are the Redskins doing? I mean, you know, that, that was also a product of a very good pass rush, you know, great linebackers. Yeah. Well, that's, that's part But the true. thing about, but also when you guys got, when you guys got rid of Calvin Benjamin, though, like everyone thought that was a dumb trade, but your offense just started to hum even more, you know, because Cam got the guys that he trusted, you know, suddenly Funches was playing awesome football and, and you know, suddenly you'd see McCaffrey more often. Stewart played better. Like wide receivers, I'm just not as high on a wide receiver at, as maybe you are. Yeah, well, no, I mean, well, first of all, Kelvin Benjamin was a good player. Odell Beckham is a generational player, so there's not really a comparison there. Right. Um, 
but I, I do understand the, the, the whole thing with, you know, is it worth the distraction? Is it worth the money that he's going to be getting paid? I mean, I completely, um, you know, agree with you. You understand, right. He's not like a Julio yeah. Jones, Fitzgerald, or even Antonio Brown. He's right. I, and I, my prediction is uh, he will be gone. Uh, if not this year, next year, because a gentleman will get rid of him. Um, <laughs> especially if, if, he, if he has any sort of flashbacks of his antics on the sideline and that sort of thing for the previous years, if you, if you see any of that this year, you can pretty much guarantee he'll be gone next year. Because Gettleman's not going to um, put up with that, first of all, and he's certainly not going to put up with that along with the, the giant, uh, you know, uh, holding his, his salary gap. There's no way of doing that. Hey, pigskin man. Unbelievable time. Excited for you to get the laptop so we can get you on YouTube with uh, with Jet Central. We'll definitely do do more of these Zoom sessions. I look forward to chatting with you maybe in a couple of weeks. Um, again, everybody go check him out. Uh, YouTube, Pigskin Pete. He records football videos year-round, around the clock. He's, he's, he's looking right now into, uh, into making the channel even more lucrative. And, uh, and Pigskin, man, you're one of my best friends on here. Thank you so much for incredible insight. I feel like I know the dynamic a lot more now, and I know that Giants fans and football fans are going to find this conversation incredibly interesting. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And before I go, I just want to say, fire Dave Yellen. Oh, my God. <laughs> before we even get started. Yeah, fire before the season starts. Just do something. <laughs> Tell you the truth, man, there's not many good GMs that are just out there. I mean, I know that Brandon's out there, but <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm, I'm actually going to ride it out. I'm very excited to kind of see Gettleman because the one thing is he has such an ego that that when the whole thing drops, it's going to be just be, it's going to be like exciting either way. You know what I'm saying? With, with yeah, Dave. I, 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 that was just a yeah, I know that's a jab. I know you might not like Davey Gettleman. But uh, I'm freaking excited, though, to see him bring back. I, I like – like, I know his personality is one thing, Pigskin, and I know that we're, we're preparing to go. But I do love that Gettleman values culture. I do like that Shula runs the ball. Like, this is all music to my ears. I do love that Gettleman is going to bring in vets that know how to, you know, carry themselves as pros. So it seems like, you know, he can evaluate himself. It seems like he evaluates personality, and that's something the Giants desperately need. So not all of this was a negative about Dave Gettleman, but if he doesn't get along with Shermer, that's my biggest uh, possible, you know. Yeah, like I said, he may need to work out. I, I, I wish you guys luck. I, I wish no ill will um, against the Giants or anything like that. I just uh, – but, but you're going to keep it real with me 100%. Exactly. They're going to keep it real. And uh, pigskin, man, we got to try to get to College Station this year. We got to try to get to the NFL draft, buddy. I would love to do that. We'll keep it real. We'll talk all the time. And uh, that is Pigskin Pete. Drop your Twitter for everybody before you bounce. Uh, it's at Pete Pigskin. Uh, and that's Pete with two E's, uh, not one. All righty. That's it. Pigskin Pete. Great stuff. Take care, buddy.